Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Knapsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episode. The news stands for news, and the cues stands for questions. Or it could just stand for anything you want. Have fun. Imagine. But it's questions. 
or we finally just talking about Q in Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> Uh, and all those. You, uh, you and I, we've mentioned that character a lot. I, uh, eventually, we'd have to do a crossover episode. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have to do the Q versus Q Star Trek James Bond episode. Who would oh, win? Who would win? And of course, Food Center, where Ken and Joseph <laughs> food, uh, an ongoing theme. We are going to dive into the news shortly. And let's be honest, it's a, or it's a big follow up for last week's news episode. And we hope you all listen to our uh, news reactions to the Disney Investors Day last Thursday. Exciting times, and we're going to dive in even a little bit more. Before we do that, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, we'll have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Star Wars Life Adventures. Uh, I did see that you went for a hike, Joseph, or a walk. <laughs> Always a good thing. Uh, how are you, sir? And what's going on? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm. I want to be extra careful with uh, with virus raging right now. So uh, I, the only thing that I do outside the house is take a masked walk where I can walk far away from people. Uh, you know, yep. or or pick up uh, you know food from from takeout. So we, yeah, we are lucky to live in a place where we can go for a you know relatively short walk and get into Griffith Park, and I just love that sign of Smokey the Bear. Smokey the Bear is just one of the weirdest things I think our culture has ever produced. The cautionary, well-intentioned bear who has the hat, jeans, and no shirt, and a shovel. It's just such a... It's It makes sense, I guess, from a certain point of view. He's out there in the woods working. He gets hot, and I mean, I understand that shovels fight can fight fires, but shovels in the woods I associate with uh, murder victims more than putting out fires but anyway he that image of him in griffith park he's got those big buggy eyes like he's staring into the heart of a fire and he's seeing his own soul so i had great fun going to visit smoky the bear uh yeah i know right where that's a smoky sign the sign smoky the sign is smoky the bear sign <laughs> uh and i too and i just yeah we grew i mean i guess by now i think everyone has grown up with him <laughs> he's been around for a bit uh but i was uh i was obsessed with smoky too yeah i don't know why is it is it the shirtless thing or just like you said a a well intentioned bear? I think I mean I think it the whole thing is obviously just well intentioned to try to educate you know kids and campers about being careful and to remind you and you know that that personification I think probably does help. But you know I didn't go camping when I was a kid. I was very rarely in any place to possibly start a forest fire, and yet I always had this bear everywhere pointing at me and saying, "You, it's your fault. You can stop them. It's your responsibility." So I had a weird uh, dance with it because, you know, uh, our family would go to Yosemite a lot. That was like our annual uh, family vacation. And, you know, bears are a concern there. We, would, we wouldn't do the camping. We'd do the cabins or the lodges. But, you know, you had to go, no food in the car. And there's signs everywhere. So I kind of grew up with a irrational but also rational fear of bears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so at the same time, to have a bear on my side it was confusing it was uh like a board <laughs> telling you to be safe <laughs> yes only you can stop your scent from self from being mauled by me what this is a confusing safety message uh yeah so no that was very nice to to get out of the house and take a walk and uh yeah my wife and i had some good relaxing time a uh, big frank sinatra fan as i've mentioned before and uh saturday was sinatra's birthday so uh, my wife and i recorded an episode of my podcast obsessed about uh sinatra and listen to some music and just sat listening to music and having a nice cocktail. That was great. Um, 
And then uh, my only real Star Wars adventure, besides all of the, you know, the news and the covering, but the more kind of uh, personal thing, a little while back, I had ordered the vintage figures of Anakin and Obi-Wan from the Clone Wars. And, you know, it's the great, it is the mm-hmm. kind of lifelike representation. It's Ewan and Hayden, uh, but it's set in the Clone Wars animated period. And that's the art of the vintage figures. And it says, you know, the Clone Wars. Uh, so I ordered those a little while back because uh, I really wanted them. And then gotten this weird thing. It was like, I knew they were in these boxes, you know, uh, but I was waiting for the right time to open them. So I figured, hey, look at this announcement, the Obi-Wan show, Hayden's back, I'll open them. And open them Friday night, you know, after a, a, a long, stressful day, and I was finally able to relax. And the Hayden one is really great. I love it, the Anakin one. Uh, but the Obi-Wan just blew me away. I think uh, holding it in my hands and seeing that old Kenner vintage art, which is the point of those, but then yeah. seeing the Clone Wars and here's the, the art on it is just great. It, you know, Obi-Wan out there with the armor, with the troops, uh, you know, uh, with the Republic gunships landing and his hair's falling out of place. And I just, I had this weird kind of traveling in time moment that I, that you'd think I'd have more often, but I think it's because we talk about Star Wars so much. I just imagine being a kid knowing only that Obi-Wan said he fought in something called the Clone Wars. And I just imagine finding this, this figure on the shelf as a kid mm-hmm. and going, holy crap, we get to see those adventures. It's real. He wore some stormtrooper armor for some reason. He's all beat up. What's going on? And just uh, it, it just really made me happy to connect those, those mm-hmm. dots and be reminded of how lucky we are to have all of these different eras being filled in. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that resonates with me. And just the, uh, if you could go back and tell yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine just even seeing like the Anakin, like here's Anakin Skywalker in his prime, just an action figure hanging on the peg. And that's what let you know the stories were coming. <laughs> and you didn't even have to mail a wayboard. It was right there, <laughs> right there in the JJ Newberry peg wall. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, those are my life adventures, uh, getting emotional about Obi-Wan and Smokey the Bear. How about yourself? What were your adventures? Uh, not as exciting. I'll tell you that. <laughs> not as exciting as those two things. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, another another busy week um, uh, working on another project that some some teases are out there on, on social. So it's, it's kind of been fun business, but business nonetheless. Um, so that's been going on. And and often you and I say our Star Wars adventures sometimes are just what we do to research the show. Yeah. Which is awesome, right? It forces Absolutely. you to focus. Uh, so you and I have been watching Return of the Jedi. We're going to be doing a scene by scene this week. A very key scene from Return of the Jedi. And I just adore that movie. I love that movie. It is. It represents being seven to me. I mean, <laughs> it really does. And and often, and I'll probably have to do the, the warning on the scene by scene we're doing this week of, I will probably refer to when I first saw this or when I watched it younger, because this was, this was the greatest, this and, and Pee Wee's big adventure like <laughs> all the time. Um, but it is funny to go back and not through a cynical eye, not through a negative eye, but just look at some of the things in that movie and go, Oh, I could only imagine the podcast wars that would have begun over this, this movie. Uh, and, and how back then though, it was fun and funny and part of the experience of Star Wars. So what am I, and, and I, I'm pretty sure in the five years you and I've been broadcasting, and I'm sure I've mentioned this or, or you've mentioned it. We discussed it. I am, a, I was obsessed all the way through high school with the idea that they've got this big planning meeting going on and, and, uh, you know, Maydeen's up there, Akbar, Mothma, all these rebel leaders, Ori Marco's there watching <laughs> all these things are going on. 
And Luke walks in and goes, I'm with you too. And then the meeting stops. I've, I've just been, I've been obsessed with that uh, since a kid. Like, what it, it was? Were they done? Do they have anything more to say? He just walks in. Now everyone's standing up. They're hugging him. They give him high fives. What's going on? So <laughs> just it breaks into a conversation. Yeah. yeah. And I was just watching that and going, can you imagine, you know, the think pieces or just the hot takes on all those kind of things and, and how, you know, Jedi is not a, not a perfect movie by any sense of the word, but it just is so full of joy. So full of excitement, as our buddy Mark Ellis always says, it's the movie where we won. And that's why he loves it. So it was fun to just kind of see that um, through the eyes of our research, but also just a reminder of a time when we just uh, had fun watching these things. Doesn't mean you can't dig in, and and we love to. It doesn't mean you can't be critical at times. We're we're there with that, too. But just another time, another era. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I remember as we've talked about, you know, people who had, you know, were alive at the right time to have expectations, getting cranky about lots of things in, uh, in Return of the Jedi, you know, but that was, uh, the, uh, non-viral playground conversations, (laughs) not the social media think pieces, uh, you know, even though, you know, a big swath of, of people of a specific age long had, uh, grudges and issues, uh, particularly with the Ewoks. But, you know, when I was rewatching the, the scene that, that we're going to talk about, but then also just found myself kind of skipping around and watching Return of the Jedi. It was that that reminder of, you know, so many people who love that movie. I think they love it because this is the one where where we win. Uh, you know, Luke is masterful. There, there's a lot to love about it. And just thinking of all the people who saw it as kids on VHS and streaming and just accepted it as it is because it wasn't, you know, something that they had a bunch of time to build up preconceived notions about. And that's just such a great reminder of, you know, we absolutely can have opinions and should have opinions and should have fun speculating. But going back to that joy of just this is this is a historical document. You know, that's the way most people are going to encounter Return of the Jedi now. You know, they're not going to go be 10 years old and be rewatching and go to, okay, now give me a month in between Empire Strikes Back. I'm going to build up a bunch of expectations. And then I'm going to be mad and retroactively say, you know, this is how Richard Marquand failed. You know, it's just yeah. not the way people absorb it. It's just, it's a, it's a document of history, right? You know, and, and yes. I think it is powerful to think about it that way because it reminds us that we can choose to embrace the new, uh, the new content that way too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we get at these discussions that are often held other places too and here as well. But, uh, and, you know, just uh, going back to the, the joy of Star Wars and, and, and <laughs> I'm laughing because you you invoked the name of Richard Marquand, who you know comes in does a does a does a good job holding down the fort with George over his shoulder. But imagine, yeah, the the, the Twitter handles, you know, Richard Mark no <laughs> ruin Marquand. Yeah, I can see it. I can see wrecked Marquand. Yeah, has he even seen Empire? <laughs> oh, God bless it. God yeah, bless it. It is God. what it is. The the eternal battle with our own positivity. Yeah, but we are positive here, and we got a lot of Star Wars news to get to. Well, when I say a lot, I just mean we're going to dig into the big news. Uh, I don't want to say news dump, but it was a big just a plate of news dropping on your on your a plate. I'm already talking about food. God, <laughs> I'm already talking about food. All right, we're going to dive into the Disney Investor Day, following up to that, and and I want to start here, uh, Joseph. First of all, nothing tremendously new from that. Uh, announcement they didn't sneak in another show uh, uh specific details and questions and all that kind of stuff we haven't really got that yet there's some things 
out there. Uh, we're going to dive in, though. Uh, I, I want to ask you first, though, after a few days, um, Joseph, what excites you even more about the news dump or a specific show or uh, about the whole experience? Yeah, I mean, there are specific shows that I, my mind just floats toward because they reflect my specific, you know, interest in Star Wars. Uh, our, our tortured buffet uh, metaphor goes on because they're they're mm -hmm. the dishes that I they're the, they're the macaroni and cheese the the you know that I ah, that's that's a part of Star Wars that I gravitate toward. But I think the biggest thing for me is that it is just really a great collection of styles because they're going to be different creators and it looks like they're focusing on different parts of star wars uh, but in particular just different eras i mean when you really start to break it down you know with the this is all coming out over a spread of years right so it's not like it's all gonna this is everything that's coming out next year and you'll have to pick then but um you know the acolyte happening pre prequel era end of high republic era you know you got the uh obi-wan uh, show the obi-wan show obi-wan kenobi you know that we know is now going to feature uh hayden christensen as well so that's not that's going to deal with being in between the prequels and the original trilogy but i i really think that there could be more that anchors it in the prequel era obviously since they're going to be wrestling with what happened there uh then with the whole expansion of mandalorian we're really going to be i think exploring the politics you know with rangers of the new republic and with ahsoka with the you know the new republic right after return of the jedi and how does that maybe morph into the first order and then to my reading i think patty jenkins and taika waititi's movies are post rise of skywalker so just looking at it from a perspective of eras i think the thing that excites me the most is just the variety mm. yeah yeah a lot there to choose from and i'm with you too well, I, there you go. I'm Luke in the briefing room again. I'm with you on, on the errors. I, I don't know why, uh, I, I, other than vague kind of phrasing of the of the sentences, but future errors, new errors, all those kind of things uh, uh, with Patty Jenkins and Taika Waititi just makes kind of some sort of sense that they'd find a way to go forward. Yeah. Uh, without even, uh, I know a lot of the characters that we would love to see continue, you know, uh, from the sequel trilogy, but even going beyond that and, and outside those margins. I just have that feeling. Yeah, and I think it has a relationship with what they're doing with uh, The Mandalorian. You know, uh, obviously, The Mandalorian has had, you know, figures from Star Wars pop up. You know, we have speculation of who will uh, who will have heard Grogu's call, and who knows, maybe it is going to be Luke Skywalker. Who knows? Uh, but right now, The Mandalorian is having fun adventures while we know, you know, Luke, Han, Leia, Lando are out there doing things too, and I think that has... I think that Lucasfilm is really having this perspective of, yeah, uh, Ray and Finn and Poe and Rose could be doing big, cool, important stuff, but it's a big galaxy and not everything rotates around our main, main characters. So why couldn't we be having this other high stakes adventure over here? I, I think it makes sense to embrace how big the galaxy is. And, and there's a lot in the storytelling lately, I think, that's been uh, leaning toward that on, on a kind of practical level and a philosophical level, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, yeah, look, Taika could go back to you know the beginning of time in Star Wars, or maybe his is the Star Wars creation story. I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, it could be, but I don't know. I just have that feeling, um, and it'd be fun to explore, especially with Patty's. You know, and and that could send you down a path of of uh, you know who they're going to fight, who's out there. Eh, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I'm I'm with you. A great use of uh, the the Mandalorian. 
where we are in a world where we know Leia and Luke and Han are sitting around trying to solve problems in the galaxy and we haven't seen them yet and it's okay and you don't feel the loss. Uh, it's something new and exciting. Hmm. Yeah, galaxy's big. Galaxy's big. Yeah, I, I found myself just kind of daydreaming a little bit more about the Acolyte. Hmm. Probably because we don't know quite as much and we've got to assume different era again. Uh, what about about 200 years prior, we'll see. They say the end of the High Republic era, so maybe even, even closer. Emerging dark side stuff, everything. I don't know. I, I, I just i am drawn to that. Uh, I will wildly speculate, and I think we already have touched upon it, but uh, some sort of Night Sister character or the Night Sisters involved or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I just, uh, the, the lack of information is just drawing me in. And that great title card, I, I just, uh, I, I, uh, I'm getting more excited for that. Yeah, yeah. The there's something about the way the project's been described, but my mind has always gone to Night Sister, and maybe I'm speculating <laughs> without responsibility there. But uh, but we'll see. We got a great Night Sister uh, question, so we can dive into that a little bit more of our our wants, our hopes, our dreams for Night Sisters. Uh, but yeah, I, I think for um, for the Acolyte, I think given that it's set in such a different time period, I, I do also think there's hope for this is a just a totally, you don't need to know anything else. Just come on in for a Star Wars adventure. Come on in, sit down and have a good Star Wars meal. So I saw this a lot on Facebook. <laughs> um, you know, we all have uh, those friends on Facebook or acquaintances or old office buddies and they're Star Wars fans. They are. And they are. Uh, there's no no debate in that. I, I will never take that away. But I, I saw more than five posts this week of, ugh, too much. Too much Star Wars, man. I love <laughs> it, but this is too much. Um, That's a thought. That's Again, we're not here to take that away. Uh, we're here to ask about that. Uh, we could joke and say, will there ever be too much Star Wars? But with this amount of information, and I don't hear a lot of people say this about Marvel, but also I'm not clued into that uh, discussion world. Um, you know, is it too much Enchanted? I don't know. Everyone's excited about Enchanted too. I don't know. So I just want to ask, uh, will there ever be too much Star Wars or how could it, how could it end up being too much? Could, could, could you tip it into, uh, uh, that the scale going that direction? Yeah. I guess the question for, you know, too much Star Wars, there's the personal. And then once you get past the personal, what are, what are the larger cultural stakes? Like for the personal, there's the like, Oh, there's too much. I don't have time to absorb it all, and I'm bummed out for myself. You and I are lucky to have a you know Star Wars podcast, and I still struggle to absorb all the Star Wars content that I want. So there, I get it from the personal's perspective, particularly if if people have a specific job or raising kids, and like I'm so excited, but I have a hard time making time for everything, and and I want to watch everything. I totally get it from that perspective. And I think there's that larger cultural. And I could be wrong, but I think this is a lot of it is coming from people who grew up with the original trilogy. And what they liked about Star Wars was it was so different and special, not just in the content, right? If you go back to being alive in the early 80s, Star Wars had the, it wasn't, they weren't sequels, they were a trilogy. Like, you know, there's those jokes in Scream about the difference between sequels and a planned trilogy. But sequels were still kind of cheap in the 80s, right? If you made, uh, if it was good, you just made another and didn't matter if you got the same creative people. You, here's a Rocky. Here, here's yeah. a Jaws. Here's an Exorcist. And it was the sort of just make that money. That name has money attached to it. So make more, mm. you know, I think mm. was more of a, a, a feeling about uh, sequels. And so I think a part of the the magic from some people's perspective might have been that Star Wars just it made its three movies 
And then it went quiet and it was really special and really rare and really this treat that I think kind of there's something about that that marries well with the mood of of Star Wars in general, the original trilogy in, in particular, that it's romantic and unique and just the tiniest peek into this amazing world. So I think, you know, if there are fans who have internalized that for years and that's their view of what Star Wars is, then I think there's that feeling that if there's too much of it, it's not special anymore, which I, I understand, you know, I think there's a, there's a part of me that would at different times of my life kind of have felt that way. Uh, but then on the other side, I, I just kind of feel like the reality is times change. Content is king right now. And of course, Disney is going to develop more star Wars. And the plus side of it is this huge amount of variety and we're in this great place where it's not movie theaters. It's not because, you know, Leslie Headland's making a Night Sister show, if we wanted, you know, yeah. we're speculating. It's not like that That got the green light. So that's the movie for the next three years. And so you don't get other Star Wars going to... Mm-hmm. Everybody can get something they like. And if you think it's too much, all you have to do is not watch the ones that you're not interested in. And, yeah. and yeah, yeah. to me, I think... Uh, I, I, I you know, I think can think through it lots of different ways and I see it from the personal. I don't have enough time for it. I see it from the, I liked it when I was, uh, when it was a different time, a different world and Star Wars felt magical and unique. And now it just feels like it's the thing that's on every corner. It's, you know, it, it, it used to be like, uh, you know, a, a waterfall and there are only so many in the world and you can go see. And now it's a Starbucks. There's one in every corner. I get that perspective, but at the same time, it's a magical world with a ton of different, uh, approaches to it and a ton of different artists get to have their approach to it and a ton of different people get to find the part of Star Wars they love and and I, I think that that part of it is the most powerful and most important to me. Yeah. Yeah, you get the you get the Welsh said t-shirt consolation prize there. Uh, <laughs> but I want to start with like the books and, and you and I have talked about this on air and off. There's so many wonderful Star Wars books and and the novels, the, the 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 fiction ones, and they come out, and and sometimes we we read them. But lately, over the last year, uh, throw in the comics to this as well. It can feel not like too much, like oh, it's just overwhelming because we feel maybe professionally we have to keep up on it. And uh, lately, I have taken the foot off the gas pedal on the comics, and just like you said, I feel bad being behind on it. And we even get some folks in the in the Force Center Discord like, oh, I wish you guys discuss discuss the comics more we just had to we had to kind of pull back from that and gosh i do kind of feel bad i do kind of feel bad on that so it, it, it it's very personal um uh, the, the approach i think it could be i think y- you and i and many others love the quality of everything that's come on out uh, so if there's one or two star wars shows a quarter it could feel like it could feel it could feel a little bit too much but i, I just don't think once it happens I don't think it is because once if you're a Star Wars fan and you love it and, and the Lucasfilm logo comes up from whatever era, I think you get excited. And for that moment that you're there, that you're living in it, it isn't too much. It, it's perfect. It's the perfect amount because it's new Star Wars right in front of you. I, I was worried about a movie every year. I didn't want uh, two movies a year. I think I was probably on some shows saying that. And then we are in an era. We just wrapped up a f- a move, basically a movie a year for five years, right? Uh, yeah. You know, 
basically. And I, and there wasn't one part of me that felt that was too much. Again, very personal, very personal. So I understand that slate. You look at it. It's a little cynical. Just be like, too much. I think when you break it down, and like you said up top, this is over the next few years. I mean, Tyka's Tyka's movie, we believe, is 2025. We got five years. Yeah. So three years to Patty Jenkins, the, you know, uh, another year for Mando season three. And and I think with that that one, people are going to be like, I wish it would come sooner because we're invested now. And then, you know, Andor is shooting right now, and that's not going to be until 2022, right? And we don't know the release dates of all the others. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a fair question. I get it. Um, it's all about the approach. You know, I had a, yeah, one of my buddies called me this morning. We were on the phone, and he was like, hey, what, we have a t- what do you think about all that pandering Lucasfilm's doing to Star Wars? And I'm like, pandering? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Um, I know uh, you and I and many listening here at Force Center are, are are full with joy and we want to see this stuff. I, you know, I understand that everyone wants every corner uncovered and it might tie to what you said. We grew up, many of us, not everyone, because different generations and different entry points in Star Wars. But if you grew up in that era where Star Wars was this thing, you remember that? Remember the early 80s and the 77 film? And, and we talked about it like it was already, like we were the armor uh, speaking to the Mandalorian. And, you know, times have changed. And I, uh, I've had several exchanges with other friends this week going, could you imagine, like you and I just said, Joseph, could you imagine in 1988 being told, here, look at all this. Your head would explode. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. And it isn't like television was, you know, in the early 80s where it would have been like uh, every you have an adventure and then you reset and that's the way it is. And it, there's got to be 27 episodes a season. It's, you know, yeah. it's very cinematic. It's very artful. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, I, think, I think the other thing for me is obviously – Disney is uh, wanting to make money on Disney Plus and wanting to sell a, a few T-shirts and lunchboxes. We'll talk about Mando Monday in a bit, you know, yes. uh, obviously. But it, to me, it just if you look at this slate, it just it is still creator driven. It is still Leslie Headland had an idea because she's a Star Wars fan. She went in and made a pitch and they're doing that, you know, and, you know, the Kenobi was, you know, I think the, the desire to tell this uh, important part of the story with this phenomenal actor who's still interested ewan mcgregor and and now with hayden christensen like everything and and patty jenkins you know extreme passion everything seems to still be coming from uh, a creative point of view even if there are a lot of creative point of views Uh, my facebook memory today was uh what it it, what was it four years i think it's four years four years ago where you know screen junkies had hired me to write some of the jokes that we've all made of what posters should there be for Star Wars stories. You know, yeah, so four years ago, so when Rogue One was coming out, the yeah. first of the standalone, you know, and it's four years gone now, and it's the it, the gonk droid and Tatooine mm. Knights about <laughs> uh, Owen and Brew, they're, they're hot and heavy times before they get saddled with Luke. Uh, they're fun jokes, and I saw, like, with the announcements, the round of those jokes again. <laughs> it's almost to me that point of, like, we've been making these jokes about Star Wars being creatively bankrupt <laughs> and it and it hasn't happened and now our jokes are getting more creatively bankrupt right <laughs> than anything Star Wars has actually produced and I say that as somebody who wrote some of those jokes and was proud of them and I mm-hmm. still am they're fun it's it's fun and funny it's Star Wars uh but it just the fear hasn't happened right we don't have a gonk droid movie no 
No. And, and even if, even if we did, we'd probably get a good story. I mean, come on, he's walking <laughs> around the galaxy. We need to know. He's a walking battery. What kind of life is that? We need to know. We need to know. Uh, let's talk about that Patty Jenkins movie. Got a lot of people excited. The title alone, graphic in her great video, uh, video that's released on Twitter. You and I talked about that. Well, many people, us included, just moved by it because it showed that this is really going to be a personal story, that this wasn't just a hired gun situation. And if, uh, Patty, we got this story. You want to do it? It's uh, she, she searched, has been searching her whole career to get this opportunity something she's earned, and to tell the story that's related to her father. I think a lot of people were moved by that. There is some stuff out there. Uh, I didn't really necessarily pull in. It's not from StarWars.com, so let's take it for what it is. But the stuff out there that this isn't necessarily Rogue Squadron, the video game a lot of people love, and the book series a lot of people love. Uh, in fact, the, even the author of the book series was joking about, oh, hey, my Twitter followers are going up. Disney's using the name of my books for one of their movies. And, um, and, he, and he actually responded to the... Um, uh, Patty Jenkins video very favorably too. So anyways, um, I, I wanted to talk about that, uh, about the idea that this is going to be something inspired by the book series, no matter the era, Joseph, uh, whether it's after Jedi or after rise. Um, and, and, and what do we like about that or what do we don't like about that? Yeah, I think, um, I think I, I keep, I'd be fine if Patty Jenkins had said, hey, we got this great tale for, you know, the the young New Republic or we've got this great tale of, you know, the Rogue Squadron's adventures, you know, at this period in the original trilogy. I'd be like, cool, if, if you're if you're confident and passionate, that that's great with me. But I think the the statement that it is in a future era of Star Wars storytelling uh, excites me from the perspective of let's give creators a little bit more of a blank canvas to play with. It yeah. excites me from that perspective, like I was saying, of the galaxy being larger. To me, I just think that we kind of need to rewire, you know, ourselves a little bit of, you know, this the main Star Wars films, the Skywalker saga, really started with these literal galactic stakes, right? Mm-hmm. And it, as we see from great storytelling, you know, does Mando want to take his helmet off and be a daddy? <laughs> Can be great, incredibly high stakes, you know? Mm-hmm. Does this one being live? It can be incredibly high stakes. And I think I'm really interested in if this is five or 10 years after uh, the rise of Skywalker and, you know, there's a war between a couple systems or some pirates are raiding the home planet of somebody involved with the rogue squadron, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever the stakes are that give it emotional weight to just be able to say stakes can be high in Star Wars without being literally galactic. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's my hope for this because everything that Patty Jenkins has been saying about it is the stakes are going to be very high because you're going to care about those characters and you're going to care about whether they live or die. And then another part of, I think the, the blurb that maybe, uh, maybe other people are talking about, but we haven't talked about as much. Ken is uh, talks about earning their wings. So this is a coming of age story, which is, right. you know, great star Wars. If this is, hey, we've got the new New Republic or whatever it's called after the rise of Skywalker. And, you know, tradition has always been uh, ro- that there's a rogue squadron, the best of the best who challenge themselves. Here's this new young generation trying to live up to the legend and it's live or die, live up to the legend as you try to earn your wings. As you, you know, the stakes could be, does Blast Hoofhoff get into rogue squadron, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for that character poster. <laughs> I don't stand behind that name. That's not a good Star Wars name. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I think there's a lot there that's that's old Star Wars and a lot that's new. Who knows where it's going to go? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, and this is. It's it's almost crazy for me to already be thinking like, oh, okay, we are we we might be going past nine again. Might we're going off of future era? We'll we'll, we'll keep repeating that. We we don't want to uh, you know uh, we don't want to uh, go too far down the path of this is definitely after nine, but a wide open territory, a, a new way to approach it, and you know to not be uh, listen listen carefully here tomorrow, not be bogged down by the force, <laughs> <laughs> meaning. This is a different kind of Star Wars story. Um, uh, like I said, the stakes being different, and 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 that's why I'm not not worried yet about the villain. You know, I'm not the 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 final order becomes the new final order. I, I I'm not worried about that. Um, I I think what I love most about what Patty Jenkins did with uh, the first Wonder Woman. I have not seen eighty four yet. I don't know if I can yet. Did it come out yet? No, it's uh, December twenty fifth on HBO Max. Yeah. I have no I have no press links to that one. <laughs> what I love about that one is someone who is, uh, you know, uh, familiar with superheroes, roots for them, but didn't uh, live in that world growing up and still doesn't. I just, she really did. I love the the first act and second act of that movie. You know, third act is great. It's big. It's superhero, you know, fights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I'm not saying I, I don't like that as well, but I just, I just, I like Wonder Woman in a new world or Wonder Woman uh, discovering, you know, uh, herself that look I think she she got me so invested in that in that character a character I've known literally my entire life and I was around to see Linda Carter on TV the first <laughs> thing, spin and turn into the Wonder Woman so I, I think if she can bring that no matter the era like you said it will be able to get into those cockpits and she'll she'll uh, and she's got the, the legacy of her father in her heart to tell so I'm excited about that and like that it won't be be uh, be holding to this has to happen because this book series said it. Yeah, I, I think that is what I'm excited about. I, I think that you can do lots of storytelling without cutting off future storytelling possibilities um, if you go after the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, and you're right. I think we should have some caution. I think I, I am drawn to that because it makes sense to me to say future era of storytelling. But maybe what they mean is they're carving out Hey, here's here's some time when the New Republic was around, and maybe a couple of Luke's Jedi trainees were running around, and it is the the pre sequel, <laughs> the great new pre sequel era. You know, it that is absolutely a possibility, um, and, and I trust that whatever they're doing, they're they're doing it with a a good uh, idea of of what makes it powerful for the characters that we're following, and and mm-hmm. that's the most important thing to me. Yeah, and and then. Uh, on an only partially related note, uh, I love Wonder Woman because of how much, many reasons, but Patty Jenkins does such a great job of making the action powerful and having the character beats absolutely tied to the action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the third act is underrated. I, people people mm-hmm. criticize the third act often. It, there are specific beats and moments where all of the thematic ideas come together it is, in my opinion, not just a generic superhero fight, big superhero fight at the end. It is where everything comes together, in my uh, in my opinion. Oh no, I'll trust you. Believe me, I trust you on that. Uh, <laughs> I always go to my buddy Matt Key, uh, and 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 did you enjoy it? Yeah, okay, then I'll I'll trust that you enjoyed it. I just uh, you know that's that's all that's that's uh, from my upbringing there. Um, but no, no, I, but it but it works. It works because of what she established in in that film and. And has, uh, 
worked really long and hard to get these opportunities. Probably yeah. too long, and I'm excited to have her in the Star Wars world. Um, I want to, uh, as we, there's much, we could literally do another hour on this Investors Day news thing. I mean, you and I haven't. We're going to need to do Vader, Obi-Wan one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Many more uh, times. And Ahsoka. We haven't, we've barely talked about Ahsoka, which would normally be, that would be a whole meal yes. worth of news for weeks. Yes. And I have had, it's so funny going to the, quickly to the, the Obi-Wan Vader one and the Hayden Christensen back. It has been a tale of, of two reactions all through these last few days for me. I don't, I'm sure it's probably similar for you. I joked on the show. I told uh, Grace, my girlfriend, about it, and she got weak in the knees and was like, her dreams have come true. Hayden is back. <laughs> like, just loves it. Um, my pa- old pal, Roxy Strzok, she loves, she's been on the Hayden as great as Vader since my Jedi Alliance days when I brought her and Sarah Stratton on the show to defend Hayden when I was <laughs> snarky. Uh, so, and then the other time I've had the same friend call me up and be like, how could they do that? And then another friend, uh, I was talking to him, and then his uh, his wife is in the background going, but he was bad, right? Didn't we all agree that he was bad? Why would we want him back? <laughs> and all our great opinions and all our, our own journeys through Star Wars. But it's been such a interesting thing. But I wanted to uh, specifically, uh, I, I don't know. And again, I don't know if you felt that too, if you've been getting texts from all sides of the coin, Joseph. Uh, no, I've definitely been seeing them, the the strong opinions uh, on Facebook uh, back and forth, you know. And uh, I'm just, I'm so excited because I think that he is, I think he does a great job in the prequels there are a couple beats that I disagree with, but I think it is more about for me, uh, Lucas, not always, you know, wanting to talk to actors. I feel that in some moments we're like, is that, is that really, you know, do we, anyway, we've, we've talked about it before wanting yeah. a little bit for me, you know, as somebody who absolutely loves the prequels and have come to love Hayden's uh, performance even more of wanting a few more moments of the hero, you know, rather than the, the guy falling apart. Uh, so that we could heighten that uh, that contrast, and I'm just I'm really excited to to have him back to mm-hmm. uh, to I think prove to the world that he is a really good actor and he's going to bring a lot of nuance. I think. Yeah, uh, agreed. And stay tuned for part eight of, <laughs> of Joseph and Ken talking about their relationship and what they get. One I wanted to highlight. Uh, I you and I talked about this. Off air, I think last week, and we're like, we gotta, we gotta get on the air and have this. Uh, I want to speculate wildly a, a little bit about who will comprise the Rangers of the New Republic. We haven't really talked about this series a lot. We do not know any specifics. Yes, there was other rumored spinoff shows, uh, Bo-Katan, Cardoon, uh, uh, and 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 maybe this is that, maybe it isn't, maybe that's folded into Ahsoka. We don't know that right now. And that, 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 that those are two candidates to comprise these quote-unquote rangers of the new republic um i i just i'm just gonna start here joseph we we both kind of now are putting into the four center uh book of records that we really would love to see Iden versio and shriv yes yes you were telling me about the Iden versio conversation happening with the actor right and then i was like shriv (laughs) come on Uh, yeah 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 i want to give you full shriv credit yeah no uh it was uh mitch dyer the writer one of the writers of of, of it and he tweeted i haven't seen i should while we're chatting i'll look up uh, janina's feed uh but he was just kind of like you know who would be a great teacher for these uh (laughs) rangers five years after she turned to the uh, rebellion there uh, yeah, I Versio and yeah, Janina Gavankar. You want to talk about, uh, you know, a, a performer who could easily make the transition from animated video game character to live action? I think she's all 
she's all there for it. And, 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 um, you know, Shriv, Duros, it's easy. You, you, we've seen Duros on screens. <laughs> so let's oh, do it. Yeah, no. And I think uh, now that we have had uh, almost two full, uh, with one episode to go, successful seasons of a show that is all based on a person with a mask who does not move, I think we have, you know, Shriv can emote just fine. Shriv can absolutely emote. And and, and is a, a character that has, Shriv has fans. Uh, absolutely has fans. And, but I, I think he could get, uh, I think he's been forgotten. And, and for the record, going to Janina's Twitter, uh, not officially mention it. She, okay. My apologies. I, yeah, that came from the writer and not the, oh, no, yeah, no, 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 that's fine. I just want to make sure. Cause I, I want to see, I want to see if she's saying something, but she's, uh, she also doesn't tweet a ton, at least right now, not, not lately. So anyways, don't worry, folks. We'll monitor Janina's Twitter feed. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but you know what I mean? Like Shriv, Shriv's been a little forgotten. Yeah. Let's not forget about Shriv. We were all about Shriv for a little while and then, you know, he faded. Uh, but yeah, I, I he, he's just a great, uh, comic character. I think that had a different, that different energy, just great, uh, delivery by the actor, uh, Dan mm-hmm. Donahue. Um, and I think just that, like that character who's like, I'm committed to the rebellion. I I'm going to do this, but I'm also just going to be really honest. This sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This sucks that we have to fight a war. A lot of other things I'd prefer doing. Uh, in, in that combination of somebody who is clearly good-hearted, clearly on the side of light, but is also grumpy about it, is, you know, really attractive for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do you have any other uh, any other thoughts on making up this wild Rangers team? <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, there's an interest to me, you know, even... Shriv uh, is obviously a pilot, uh, you know, so is Aiden, uh, I think. So is um, Carson Teva. Uh, but so Rangers is interesting to me. Is that like really specifically not pilots, but rather, you know, drop trooper troopers like Cara Dune or um, or if that is that distinction unimportant? I think the biggest thing to me about it that's exciting is the groundwork they've laid with. Carson Teva in the relationship to the Outer Rim. And I think there's something about Rangers, right? Um, mm-hmm. That makes me feel like we know the kind of canon story is Mon Mothma feels like we need to really power down. We can't have a big military. We need to show the galaxy that we are different than uh, the Empire. We can't show a fist to the galaxy or we'll get a fist back. Um, and I, I like that philosophically. I'm really interested in this like small band who's like, got it, Mon Mothma, but there are problems. Can we be this little unit that, you know, really believes that we don't want violence either, but we do really believe in justice. We believe in taking care of people and we believe in being proactive. Can we just be this little band who goes places, you know, the kind of the forgotten places, the, the out on the rim places and take care of business? That's really interesting to me from a sort of philosophical point of view. Yeah. And how, yeah, just the hows and, and whys of, of, of settling it, so to speak. And, and does it need settling? Does it, you know, what, what, how do you just maybe just pull it in the fold? Um, this idea, because we definitely, yeah, you, you kind of associate with law enforcement to a certain degree, this Rangers, uh, Texas Rangers, Walker, Texas Ranger, Chuck Norris is in the series here. Um, <laughs> well, just like you said, you mentioned Carson Teva and, Teva's definitely uh, on my list of someone who I definitely want to see in this show. Uh, I've always been been joking on the Mando report of when is the new Republic going to pay attention to the people running around in stormtrooper outfits? And it seems like 
some people will be in there, which of course makes sense. So to have that, and since it might culminate in a, in a crossover event, however you want to refer to it, I, I'm intrigued by exactly what you're saying is, is it's not just going out and fighting. It's helping to establish a better galaxy. And it's just naturally going to be full of a lot of obstacles, which is one of the things I love so much about the new modern era of Canon. The, yeah. Ewok, the Ewok stance, the fireworks exploded, and then we really had to get to work and it wasn't easy. That just, it just creates a lot of opportunity for storytelling. Yeah. I think that there's also this possibility, especially since, um, Dan, uh, it, not Dan, Dave Filoni. I, I'm obsessed with Shriv. Uh, Dave Filoni, John Favreau. Uh, Favreau seemed to be really interested. He talked about it a lot. It was in, in the early promo for the Mandalorian of like the, the new Republic isn't fully formed and they're dropping the ball and it's chaos. Right. Uh, but then we're getting these, these things, I think from Filoni, who is maybe I'm, I'm guessing who is a little bit more, you know, got a handle on, on the all the big picture canon of like, yeah, but they're, they're trying and there's reasons and all that, uh, that I wonder if putting Ahsoka and Rangers, of the new Republic together, you know, letting Mando kind of encounter some of these things, but then go on his own journey. But if it becomes a little bit of like, this is kind of the big picture on screen story of how the new Republic thought they really, really put out all of the embers of the empire and how they missed the creation of the first order. Like, if this is going to be sort of justice for the new Republic, but also the tragedy of like, and this is how they, they missed truly stopping it. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's something there. I like, uh, here's, you know, I think we got Iden. I think Iden's a candidate for a leader, but I, I, and I know the Ahsoka series would be a good spot, but since it's all possibly intertwined, give me, uh, give me Hera here. She oh, needs, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, Hera and Jason, there we go, finally. <laughs> Just the spot for Jason Sandula. Yeah. I mean, so serious question for you. I, I, I did think about Hera. If Rangers of the New, New Republic is a Hera show, and then the Ahsoka show is Ahsoka and Sabine looking for Ezra, um, is uh, A, is that just an F you to Zeb? And B, is that just, is that for you, just now it's live action Rebels? It is, yeah, it is, and it's... it's um... Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to maybe kind of wrap up this discussion on it is, is that a bad thing? And I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. And yes. Chopper and Zev. All right. Add them in. Chopper is the Ranger of the New Republic. I totally want to do that. <laughs> they just didn't totally. want to call the show Chopper, but he is the <laughs> Ranger of the New Republic. Uh, you know, and I know Zev and Callus go on a little mission. We got time. Callus and Zev can come back, throw them all in there. Okay. Uh, I, I am both, okay with the idea of this is the rebel sequel we got but also i did so just really come to love rebels uh really powerful and there's you know there's i i like this kind of new tradition with the clone wars rebels resistance of an animated series we got bad batch i know but uh, i wouldn't i would i don't know i i would love i kind of still want to see something in animation and, mm. and i don't want to i don't want that to sound like you know, taking Ahsoka back for Ashley Eckstein, but I, I would like to see her get that chance. It, it's a, I know it's maybe a bigger discussion, but I, 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 I would, so I wouldn't feel cheated, Joseph, but I, I wouldn't, I just really wouldn't mind if some of it continues in animation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. Well, I can't wait to hear more about these as they uh, as they develop, like, you know, when they're going to come out and things like that. <laughs> yeah. When's that? And then, you know, then we find out Patty Jenkins movie uh, happens uh, the week after Yavin 4. So yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Hey, uh, final um, final. New- well, we had a couple. We got there. We all we'll always do our Mando Mondays check. But I did want to discuss this. This is something that's, uh, you know, equally as important to you and I and many people listening here. Uh, uh, Joseph is uh We've been meeting a lot of the characters of the High Republic, but meet the vehicles of the High Republic. Some of them, some ships and vehicles revealed on StarWars.com. And uh, Pablo Hidalgo had a lot to do with this. Phil Stostak, a lot of the the great uh, creatives up there working behind the scenes with concept art and and, and, and designs. Pablo explained uh, the kind of a theme for the used designs because a lot of them are taken from designs not used for the films uh, in the last five years. Taken as a whole, the prequels track the march from handcrafted artisan technology to machine-stamped assembly line tech. So given we're dialing the clock to before episode one, there were a lot of design explorations that had that delicate, streamlined feel that felt relevant, looking back at some of the old designs. So uh, what do you feel about that in general? And this idea of, yeah, you kind of do have to, the era matters when you're designing vehicles. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think it's one of the things that has always given some magic to Star Wars is that it all looks cool. It goes back to that sort of lived in idea, you know, and and then when the prequels came out, I think, you know, some people who grew up with the original trilogy, that was one of the things that bumped for them as they loved that lived in look and, you know, didn't kind of get this idea or didn't like this idea that. Uh, no, the galaxy is in just better shape. Um, you know, people actually have, <laughs> there are artisans uh, who are not imprisoned and people have, you know, you know, more money because things are going well for everybody. Uh, didn't like that idea. But I think if it's the lived in look that you love of the Falcon or if it's the just sleek, amazing design of the, you know, N1 Naboo Starfighter, I think the fact that things in Star Wars don't just look cool, they look cool for a storytelling, world-building reason is one of the big aesthetic strengths of Star Wars. It's it, it's why I think when you look at a bunch of knockoffs that came out, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. look generic compared to Star Wars because it's not just that, you know, Ralph McQuarrie was amazing, absolutely, uh, but, but, you know, it, it's because their designs are storytelling too. Yeah. That give them power. Absolutely. What do you feel about these? The Jedi Vector Starship. This is originally a clone fighter design, a Republic clone fighter design. This to me is kind of the headline. I think I think we've got ourselves a sexy ship. I know you're a big fan of the Jedi Starfighters, both versions in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So, Joseph, you, you excited about the Jedi Vector? Oh, yeah. I just love saying it. I, I don't know why I want Dexter Jetster to say it. <laughs> There's something about it that you, you almost leaned into your Dexter impression oh. there, the way you said it. It's just the Jedi Vector is so cool. Such yeah. a cool name. And yeah, I love the design. It, it does. It looks like it has a, a philosophical connection uh, to the two designs that we see in Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, and I just I like that it is lean and specific it looks like they're fire uh, like they're flying a lightsaber right it mm-hmm. looks like it is sharp and blunt into the point and it's meant to just carry a jedi <laughs> yeah. and just like i am enough by myself i'm going someplace uh to do a thing and i am projecting uh power and uh precision and elegance yeah, a little uh, astromech droid in the back there. You know, we're going to get to meet so many astromech droids possibly here. 
Uh, yeah, Pablo describes it as a very insectile, slim and delicate, but with a definite sting. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, um, I like the sting. I like the sting. The Nile, the bad guys, they got a ship too. These are actually um, mostly original to the uh, High Republic, meaning uh, they designed them specifically for it. And it's interesting. When I was reading this article, I was like, wow, that's that's interesting. We're, we're going to get the, the vehicles from the novels so we can imagine them. And I was like, dummy, there's comics. Don't forget. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> A lot of things coming. Uh, I like these ships a lot. These look like, uh, you know, the, the Nile are marauders, uh, brutal savages, how they're described. I look at these and they they remind me of like a G.I. Joe toy. Like if you were to buy the Dreadnoughts, Zartan's side group, <laughs> out, out in the swamps, eating uh, uh, grape soda and, and chocolate donuts. Um, I really am, gra- I, I'm not rooting for the Nile here, but I, I did a summer <laughs> about it. It's so busy and messy and ugly, but but elegant in the brutality. I don't know. I'll throw a bunch of poem words uh, uh, at the wall there. I, I, I just like it. I don't know. It's I'm intrigued by what we got here. A little Mad Maxi as well. Yeah, I think uh, definitely uh, uh, Mad Maxi uh, in a, in a great way. And I think kind of from that same philosophy, right. Of uh, they want to project uh, power and brutality and, you know, uh, look, this looks like a villain uh, that comes from the perspective that size does matter. And then it also speaks to, like we've stolen all this stuff and you know and we've just slapped it on in the most aggressive way possible yeah right right uh final two ones we reveal for this one here is uh we got a republic long beam which is uh could actually be seen in the art of the last jedi it was a resistance bomber kind of concept and then we have the legacy run kind of a freighter ship that was a design for han solo's freighter in the force awakens uh, they went in a different direction with the irvana but uh, these two designs here, uh, I I like them. I like, I, and I'm and I was I had a thought of like, you know, does it lessen it because it's just uh, hey, let's take what was left on the drawing board. And I thought, no, that's that's also a lot of Star Wars. Like before, <laughs> and team, big team back in the day designed a lot of things and well repurposed them, aliens too, and, and creatures. So I like that kind of spirit. I like what we got going here with these two ships. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I liked in this article, um, I think, I believe Phil Sostak tweeted, and hey, this is great information about the High Republic, but if you also want to get a better sense of what my actual job is, read this. Uh, and mm-hmm. I really love the quotes about, like, how he had put together a sort of lookbook of everything that hasn't been used and uh, talked about the three-second rule of just how mm-hmm. quickly does it speak to you. And that's just such a great way to approach design, especially, like, got all these accomplished star wars designers you know like the in general the design is going to be good but in three seconds does it speak to you and does it speak to you for a specific era i thought was a really cool detail in the article yeah three three second rule not just for food dropped on the ground i love that there no great stuff yeah feels great always just a great twitter follow because it's a lot of great information and insight into the creative process behind a lot of these uh, concepts and ships and vehicles and characters that we love. Final thing, uh, the Starlight Beacon, which I do believe I've seen a little bit of this before, but I love a little bit more of uh, what we got in terms of the description. Uh, this, of course, is going to be very key to the High Republic series. This is kind of a little space station out there. And uh, the concept has a Jedi Temple-inspired top. It does kind of look like a uh, the, the pyre of the Jedi Temple we're familiar with. And then a kind of an industrial foundation on the underside, Pablo Dago said, uh, those who are allied to the ideals of the Republic can look at it as an inspiration, example of balance, of working together. Those against the Republic can get riled up, but what they see is a statement of class and divisions. There's a lot going on there. 
Absolutely. You talked about it, Joseph. That is storytelling and design. And this is a real simple, easy to grasp concept, but I want to spend some time on the Starlight Beacon. Yeah, I love the design. It is, and I love that description. That's such a just great, uh, from a certain point of view, uh, mm-hmm. extends to uh, people's strong feelings about architectural design and what they mean for the morality of the Jedi and the High Republic. Yeah, maybe consequences and unintended consequences and where that will go. Uh, that's fascinating. This also looks like just a spectacular casino uh, uh, in the new parts of Vegas. It looks like <laughs> Aria, and I want to go there that as well so there you go statements of class and division even there final update quickly uh mando monday oh also by the way oh just uh something i saw this morning uh there will be a high republic live stream event coming january 4th 2021 be on starwars.com a lot of the authors uh, claudia gray daniel jose older uh, kevin scott charles soul justina ireland and more uh, Kristen Baver, Michael Soglain of Lucasfilm Publishing uh, and StarWars.com will be there as well to kind of just uh, you know share some fresh insights and the characters and the events and just kind of get us all excited for what is coming with the High Republic era. So we, of course, update you on that and cover it as well. Mando Mondays, we always like to uh, go into that because there's probably something we want to buy. <laughs> and this week is no different. We have got some highlights, and I've seen some other Black Series figures out there, but the big highlight is uh, Bo-Katan. We got Bo-Katan, uh, Kreese, uh, the Katie Sackoff live-action version of this character. It looks great. So happy for Katie to get a Star Wars figure. Man, that's a, that's always a thing. Uh, so I've, I've kind of stopped, I keep saying it, kind of stopped collecting Black Series for storage and allowance money reasons. This, Jar Jar, there's a lot coming that I'm just going to have to add and throw in a box, but add in D. Yeah, I mean, you, you've you got to get Bo-Katan, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm trying not to. Uh, I am uh, being very, uh, having a lot of time restraining myself from making more action figure purchases. Yeah. Uh, but the Bo-Katan is really cool because the character is so beloved. And it's also just, you know, that that's a an, uh an action figure of the character, but it's also an action figure of that cool moment where this person got to jump from animation to live action. And here it is in, in action figure form. So that's really cool. Yeah. Bold, bright action figure uh, design and color there. They got the child hideaway hover pram plush from Hasbro. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a need to add to not add to cart. It's no, no, this is going to be, I'm going to turn the corner at a store one day in the toy aisle. Like I always do. And I know you do as well. And if this is hair there, I'm just going to be like, Screw it. I'm buying this. <laughs> uh, it is a, it's a three-in-one toy that converts from the egg-like hover pram to the child even better. <laughs> so you can hide the child. Yeah. Um, we also got some uh, watches. I don't keep uh, keep time on a timepiece anymore, but these do look beautiful. Uh, and some art. Uh, we got that. We can, uh, we get the Sims free play Mando event. You can go to starwars.com. Check it out. We don't just want to list off everything there. Um, and then, uh, the, they always do the digital downloads with some concept art character posters. And we did get uh, a FedEx Shan poster, which a lot of people wanted last week. And Hey, uh, here it is for you this week. And, and uh, so glad she's uh, still in the show and factoring into the show, hopefully even more. So great design on that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the Mando, uh, the, um, let's see the Mondo, posters of Mando that came out on Mando Monday. Mando, Mando, Mando Monday posters uh, look very cool, too. There you go. I'll get the plush. You get the posters. I'll meet you at the uh, checkout. (laughs) 
There you go. All right. That is a look at Star Wars news and just kind of, uh, you know, looking back on a big week for Star Wars news and fans. Before we take a quick break and reset and get to your questions, we're going to do our audiobook recommendation. Joseph, we got a big one here today. That's right. We are recommending the Rise of Skywalker novelization. Uh, I think it is a great read. I think uh, if there are fans who are still like, oh, uh, you know, I want to know more. This one came to mind because, you know, we've talked about uh uh, Palpatine's return recently on last week's uh, deep dive show on Thursday. And I think if people want to get, you know, some more insights, uh, Rise of Skywalker novelization is really, really great. It's got some great uh, moments that I think add to the film. I agree. Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. And here we go. We're taking a quick break here on force center. On the other side, we got some great questions from you. Listening audience. See you soon. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Welcome back to Force Center. We've done the news. It's time for the cues. Joseph, what do we got this week? Yeah, we got great questions from Twitter and our patrons on Patreon. As always, our first question comes from Twitter. It's a Kane J. Martin. Hello, Kane. Kane says, hey, guys. Ever since seeing them in Clone Wars, I've been a big fan of the Night Sisters. When Marin popped up in Fallen Order, my hope of seeing more of them was reignited. I would love to see them show up in live action, but I know it might not work for the casual Star Wars fan. What kind of future Star Wars media would you like them to show up in? Movie, show, video game, etc. Thanks for all the great discussion, and may the Force be with you. All right, great question from Kane. I believe this was, you know, sent in before the announcement, and, you know, I, I don't think everyone in the world is looking at the Acolyte and going, of course, Night Sister. That's just right. an obsession we have for some reason. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've talked a little bit about, you know, that possibility. That's definitely a television show. Where else do you go with wanting to see Night Sisters, Ken? I wouldn't mind if you got a real good uh, novel about it. And the reason I say that is the Dark Disciple stuff with Asajj and Christy Golden kind of taking you a little bit into her life and, and things there. Some of the stuff later on in the Clone Wars, even uh, Rebels, uh, right? They go back to um, with Maul. Uh, there's yeah, Maul's, Maul's little cave there. Yeah, I, I like a lot of that there. And I think it deserves more storytelling because it's such a, it's a different concept. It's one that I think... I never would have just immediately associated with Star Wars, witches, right? But it, it does make sense, no matter what your view of what witches are or aren't, you know, uh, you know, you immediately think of the Wicked Witch of the West or something. I don't know when that, what that word, what that word evokes is different in all of us, but I, it, it works so well for me. Mother Townsend is a character that I, I just, 
I want to know more and I want to know their views of the force and how they use it. And I, I, I guess I'd call them dark side, but I don't necessarily that's, think that's even fair. However, you know, Marin comes along and is this great character that also ties into the theme of trauma and recovering from trauma, which is one of the reasons a lot of people love the fallen order story, us included. So there's mm-hmm. a character that is, a, it's, it's a, it's already turning your head on what you think a night sister is in star Wars. That's why I think there deserves to be more. And as far as Leslie Headland, like I could, I could see that series being that it has that vision of it and an acolyte and, and, and kind of a fantasy, you know, that's kind of a fantasy term in a way that a lot of people would associate with a fantasy series and, and the emerging dark powers. It's all there. I don't want to lock myself into that expectation, but I just would love to explore that side of the star Wars story. Yeah, I think there just there are a lot of different things I'm excited about with a uh, Night Sisters show. I'd be happy to get you know a book or a video game or anything Night Sisters, but I would love a television show so they could kind of be brought to a wider audience. I I get where Kane is coming from to say, uh, oh maybe uh, maybe they would be difficult to explain for a casual Star Wars audience, but I think that only really becomes a problem if you're trying to explain all of the Night Sisters canon that has come before, but. If you're just trying to understand the idea of what a night sister is, I think you can introduce that to a brand new audience pretty quickly of, hey, this is a group of of force users who look at the force differently, who use the force differently. They don't just process it through themselves the way Jedi and Sith seem to, but they have a relationship to it through the planet, through um, different items and magics and also through themselves. And it's this fun, different take on uh, the use of force in a different perspective. I also think the Night Sisters are just kind of one of the best examples of what Star Wars can be in terms of just an idea in that they're such a classic Lucas thing of Lucas always from Star Wars uh, when he was involved and now new creators look at other bits of storytelling or ideas from uh, pop sources, uh, pop culture sources, genre sources, mythic sources. And the Night Sisters are one part like spooky witch like really halloween creepy horror movie the way mother talzin's voice is doubled and it's all spooky creepy on a a misty red planet um but they also get into these big important cultural stuff with is in in real life of there's that pop culture halloween witch that's being talked about but then there's also that idea of the witch as a a symbol of, of women having power and times in the real world where men have used that label witch to say, we recognize that a woman has power and we don't want that. We want to label it and somehow vilify it. And that even happens in the Clone Wars when Palpatine's like, I got all my chess pieces. I'm going to move them all in place. This is the way it's going to be. I don't need anybody in my way. I'm afraid of those women (laughs) on that planet who have that power. They can't be here, so uh, wipe them out. So I'd love Night Sister to be taken to uh, the wider public on screen because I think they're such a great idea in playing with the just the genre fun, but also the deep ideas of what does which mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what does it mean to us? What does it mean to Star Wars? How do they get there? And again, it could be early on. Uh, you, you, just listening to you talk, I'm like, wow, I'd love to see Leslie uh, Headland dive into that. And again, it might not be. But now, now as, as often here in Force Center, you've got me excited for something uh, just regardless of where it shows up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just ex- uh, excited to rewatch all the Night Sister stuff in the Clone Wars. It's 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 underrated in a sense, and I say that to 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 myself. Like I, again, it was easy to overlook. Uh, which is I don't even know what that. Uh, go to it. The Asajj Venture stuff is really powerful, and 
And the point you made there about Palpatine, like, uh, I need them gone. Uh, uh, big stuff there, too. So um, they're a great part of it. It it, it really worked. Yeah, and, and a lot of great uh, creatives uh, contributed to it, and, and it's great to celebrate their work, too. Uh, great question, Kane. We're going to move on to our next question from Warren Heaney. Warren says, do you think Padme really loved Anakin? It started as a work trip dalliance. Uh, They're about to be executed, so she says she loves him. They survive, but she can't break up now. His mom just died. He has a temper and just killed some kids. I think uh, Warren is asking uh, from a, a, a point of view of humor, a humorous point of view uh, about all, all the things that from the outside, uh, at a glance, uh, there, there's some not healthy stuff going on in the Padme and Anakin relationship. But what do you think about this, Ken, about Padme's true feelings about Anakin and, and how, she, uh, how she dealt with some of these things that in the real world, world I think we would call warning signs? Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's there's a, definitely a strain of humor in this question, and there's also a, an actual asking of this. And look, I, I, there's two people I, I'd love to call right now. I'd love to see if Jennifer Landa was available. I know <laughs> for the schedule, but uh, love to get her perspective. But I'd love to call E.K. Johnston. I don't have her number, but um, <laughs> which is why I want a third, maybe more than three, but a third Padme book that that goes up and and through and and into uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, you and I have talked often about wanting to we can we can accept the story to to a certain point of view what happened to padme uh, she is underserved 100 percent uh but we can all right it's part of the star wars story let's try to dive into what it means but i'd love to just love to be inside padme's brain L- i say love because it's it's probably bittersweet it's it's a dark time for the character um i think there's some truth to what ward said and just you know, hey it's dark, passion all those kind of things but you and I've mentioned this before. And again, I, I don't want to um, sound like I have any idea of what's going on inside uh, the, uh, the head of a, of a female character in a troubled relationship. But from an outsider perspective, I, I think there's some truth to, I, for, uh, she loves him number one. And two, there's, it is troubled. And there's a part of her allowing herself to have this when she's a queen and a Senator and, and, and uh, does that send her down a wrong path? And then how can she turn back? It's some serious questions about, a troubled relationship. But I think at the end of the day, she loves him, loves what he could be and, and loves who he was, not just uh, a young boy she met, but just, you know, loves, uh, loves the, the, the night's night that's there, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, I, I have certainly made my fair share of jokes, uh, you know, coming right out of, uh, Attack the Clones about, you know, here's the, uh, the dubious dating choices that have been made by both Anakin and Padme. Uh, so I, I get having a sense of humor about it, but you know I've I've really been appreciating Padme uh, more and more as I rewatch the prequels and really l- listen to e- exactly what she says and exactly what she does and why uh, and, and take it as it is. In in my interpretation of the big picture of the character, and this is just me, you know, spewing my head cannon, and uh, as you say, maybe E.K. Johnson will come along and and write it really really well. But for my head cannon, I think she absolutely did love him. I think. She loved everything that was truly good about him, that he is, he's brave, uh, he is driven, uh, he is very, very compassionate, he cares about others, and she saw this in him from the first time that she met him, that he wants to help other people. We talk a lot about how Anakin fell by letting his love become selfish, that, that letting his love not become about celebrating this other wonderful person in his life but being consumed by his own fear of losing them. So it became a selfish kind of love of, uh, 
not seeing Padme as a person to be loved, but as a, you know, a, a, somebody to lose that he needs to hold on to. Uh, but on the flip side of that, I think, I think Padme says the beginning of that, of this incredibly compassionate guy who maybe wants to bend Jedi rules because he just, he loves people and he wants to help them selflessly and keep them safe from random people he meets during the Clone Wars to Ahsoka to Padme herself to Padme sees his love of Obi-Wan, even though that they have this cantankerous relationship. Padme can see uh, that truth. So I think she sees what's great about Anakin. And I think this is the story of two uh, young people, and Anakin's pretty hot. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think that's, you know, there is, a, you know, an actual just attraction there. Um, and I think the great part of Padme's story about when she says, you know, I truly, madly, deeply love you and the, the circumstance about possibly losing their lives, I think it's just this great story of somebody who is really, really taking responsibility and leadership seriously. She was a queen at a young age. Uh, then she's a political leader, and she she puts the weight of the galaxy on her shoulders. Everything in Attack the Clones is motivated by her feeling like everything will get worse if we start an army, and I'm going to do everything possible for the sake of the entire galaxy. And somebody who doesn't let herself uh, pursue her own kind of interpersonal needs and I think being pushed that that pressure point of like I I am constantly constantly people are trying to murder me and I'm I'm just gonna give in and let myself express this other side of myself and fall in love with this guy um and then I think you know if uh if things had turned out differently and they hadn't plunged into the into the clone wars I can see Padme being like Okay, the, the the secret marriage thing is is not good. Let's yeah. let's uh, let's tell everybody. Let's deal with the consequences and let's you know choose our love uh, and and find a way to make it work. But the Clone Wars happened. She's got all this responsibility on her shoulders. So does he. And and I think she's got that perspective of like, yep, this can't go on this way forever. But we'll deal with it eventually. <laughs> Yeah, I look, I, I, I think there's such great inspiration to be taken from Padme. And, and that could also, you can also take some of those comments and struggles and even her failures, but also, the, uh, you know, looking at it from uh, what you talk about in that in Attack of the Clones moment, declaration of love at the end. There's a little bit to me of uh, 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 just kind of a, a system in a way that has told her, she, you can't do this anyways. Uh, uh, you, you, you have been chosen to rule you're great at ruling and leading and 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 all those kind of things uh but but you know therefore therefore you can't be a complete person <laughs> you can't also love and it's similar to what anakin's going through right and if if you and i always love the idea you're you're the leader of the justice for the jedi campaign so <laughs> but if the jedi order hadn't said this is a bad thing not just attachment but marriage i mean in, in the larger Star Wars story, I still look back and go, what did you think was going to happen when you sent Anakin on a <laughs> secret mission with her? Like, come on. You seen them both? Like, get, come on. Obi-Wan, you know, you you know, Satine, come on. So there's that. that's the fun part of the Star Wars story. But I, I think I, I look at some of what Padme had to go through with those kind of pressures uh, and, and this, uh, this, this uh, era, this Republic thing of it might have been looked down upon like oh you're a queen you're a senator and now you want to fall in love and get pregnant and give it all up like that's not fair that's not fair so she wasn't allowed to express it before that moment yeah 
and that's something to to learn from the situation too. Yeah, and I think that you know she can feel a real connection with uh, that that conversation that they have on the refugee ship on the way to Naboo is really all about this idea of the difference between uh, loving and having compassion for everyone as an idea uh, versus having compassion and love for a specific person. You know, she's kind of asking Anakin and it's exposition. He's kind of laying out exactly what the Jedi rule is and why, and kind of trying to dance around it. Yeah. Uh, But it also makes a lot of sense from her perspective of that's kind of the position she's in too, of uh, marriage isn't forbidden, but you know, it's complicated. Um, You know, and, and we get that question too of like, why, why is it a problem for her? And like, oh, she, you know, she's she's in the government and the Jedi up to a point serve the government and that gets complicated real quick. Yeah. Man, EK, we need that book. Someone, look at her book. <laughs> Come on, make this happen. Yeah. Sure Want to write it if she isn't already. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that book. Uh, it's a great question, Warren. Uh, I think it is. Uh, this is one of those real points in the prequels that people have strong opinions about, and and you can look at it with depth, and you can look at it with a sense of humor, and it's fine to have uh, both points of view, I think. Uh, moving on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. First one comes from Mac. Mac says, what do y'all think is a very historically important line exchange that is extremely overlooked for its importance? I think when Palpatine tells Vader that he killed Padme, that doesn't get nearly enough attention, which I know has a lot to do with the weirdness of hearing James Earl Jones say Padme, and of course the much maligned no. Uh, to me, though, him telling Vader that he killed Padme is incredibly important because it's really that one last little twist of the knife to fully transform Anakin into the Darth Vader we know. Uh, you guys have no idea how much I love all your shows and how much they mean to me, especially when times are tough. So genuinely, thank you. Thank you, Mac. Thank you for the kind words and thank you for sharing the fun questions and the fun thoughts. Ken, first off, do you just do you agree with Mac that that's an overanalyzed line or an underanalyzed line? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, and I know, I know. In, in the years you and I have discussed uh, the prequels and, and, and Jennifer as well, we this has come up, and and I I, I was there in 05 going, what? No, and then it's just the moment has grown on me. The the you lay it all down on on a on a on a map, on an emotional map of, of Anakin, Vader, and the Emperor. And this moment really works for me. I now really love this moment, even with the awkwardness. And there's, there's still some awkwardness to it. Uh, no doubts there. I, I view it as, as Palpatine kind of nailing, it's the final nail in the, in the coffin that is around Anakin. It is this, uh, you know, oh, you, uh, t- turns out you killed her. <laughs> yeah. And, Boom, you know, and Anakin's locked in and that, that fuels his rage. He now hates himself even more and he hates this and he hates the system. He hates the things we were just talking about. If I only been allowed to love her, I, 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 all those kind of things. And it's the lie that holds it all together until it doesn't anymore. And that's why it really, really, really tracks for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, everything you're saying makes a ton of sense. I, I think the, those follow-up lines of, uh, you know, no, she was alive, I felt her is really great too because it's his first steps into being you know the fully formed uh vader where he's immediately having to doubt his own beliefs and like you know it's almost like the fact that he felt her and she was alive and palpatine saying no it's almost like this he could trust himself he could go i gotta you know (laughs) check on this right then uh but he immediately falls to just the you will accept the darkest truth. You will accept what I say as truth, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's about that. And, and it's about, yeah, his just the absolute, um, 
you know, it really drives home the the tragedy of Revenge of the Sith, of the idea that his desperation to avoid something that might happen could have caused it to happen. It really is this sort of button on that uh, traditional uh, uh, tragic uh, story, you know, structure of a of a tragedy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So other part of uh, Max, great question, Ken, for you, do you feel like there are other lines that we should uh, be analyzing more? I, yeah, I was, I was, be honest, I was going to, I was going to have some fun and, you know, the whole, you know, what is she proposing of it all? Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think, I think it's one that's become just so much, it's just really powerful for me to say I've mentioned a lot because I just, I, I think about a lot of just, uh, you know, uh, Luke to to Yoda, what's in there, and Yoda, you know, only what you take with you. I just have that. That's a fandom philosophy. That's kind of a life philosophy. There's room to discuss things around it. It's not concrete. Um, I think it's one of the more powerful Star Wars lessons, and people are aware of that it's not like some obscure line. But I think <laughs> in that entire sequence, there's a lot being presented in that, and that is just. It's it's really important, and it's really important for Luke, the character of Luke. I think there was a I I, I really love the in the from the certain point of view Empire story uh, of the caves perspective of the I'm paraphrasing, but the line that you and I discussed of looking at Luke and going, you know, he's always looking for a reason to use those lightsabers, and that that is that's that's a that's that's a pretty powerful thing and part of the Star Wars story and the Star Wars philosophy. So. That line, again, it's a line we've all grown up with, but that often means you just, it becomes wallpaper. It becomes something you see every day when you walk into the room, and I think it it, uh, it bears a closer look. Yeah, and I think there are those lines, too, where we watch it and we see it from Yoda's perspective. We see the flaw that that it's being talked about with Luke, but sometimes we don't kind of extrapolate out to the other characters in Star Wars, the other ideas in Star Wars, or if we want to take that as a life lesson for ourselves, what does that mean for us? You know, uh, you know, when you uh, sign on to Twitter in the morning, what's on Twitter, only what you take with you yeah. can be a lesson if you, if you want of, uh, you know, the way you approach things is going to have an effect on them. Uh, so I think that's really powerful. Another one of the Yoda ones that I, that comes up a lot for me in Empire Strikes Back that I think, you know, it's the, the way you describe it as wallpaper is really great. Uh, the, you must unlearn what you have learned. Um, I think that is so, so powerful from uh, artistic pursuits, from the way we can make assumptions about things. Uh, I think in the movie, it, it's clear that, you know, what's being said is Luke has a view of how the galaxy works from, the you know a, a Jedi is a warrior. Oh, you got to unlearn that. Oh, uh, it's easy to move rocks because they're small, but X wings can't be moved because they're big. Period. <laughs> and you know Yoda is literally saying you have to unlearn what you have learned and see the the galaxy from a different perspective. That's what it takes to to learn the Force. You can't be rigid. You need to have an open mind to the possibilities. Uh, and I think that I, I take that with me with um artistic things. Uh, I was just talking to my dad this weekend. My dad is a visual artist. Um, and, and I was asking him about some of his early lessons in, in visual art in drawing. And he was telling me about how he had a teacher who told him to, uh, that like my dad wanted to draw some, some snow tracks 
And the teacher told him, was like, you think you know what snow tracks look like? Go pick one track and look at it and see what it really is and see how the details change it. See where the shadows land. And I thought of that, unlearn what you have learned, because we get things in our head in a certain way. And then sometimes to truly see them, we have to unlearn what we have learned. And, and I think about that even like with um, the debate that's going around with, uh, is it, how, how can Obi-Wan and Vader meet each other? And I, when I, when I see people say, well, they can't have, <laughs> you know, that's an unlearn what you have learned moment of like, but let's, let's look at it again and, and see it from a different point of view. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just taught a lot of things there. I love that. No, I, no, I think you're right because it's, um, it's, it's definitely the warrior thing and, and, and all the meanings there, but this, there's a reason Yoda uh, is on inspirational uh, uh, posters all through uh, <laughs> offices everywhere. Uh, a lot of things to take there. And that's why that, that scene is, it's, it's very powerful. That, that Dagobah scene is, is uh, again, obviously we're not talking about some obscure <laughs> scene that, that is not talked about a lot, but it, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I think there's so much there and it's kind of uh, the heart of the original trilogy. Yeah. But, you know, I go back to that great uh, Carl Weathers quote from uh, the Disney gallery too, of how he saw Empire Strikes Back, you know, when he was a, a younger man. It's like, cool, great, got it. <laughs> and then yeah. saw it again as, a, as an older person. They're like, wait, those things have real specific meanings. They aren't just like, uh, does somebody have a Zen book? Uh, let's just have Yoda say those things. You know, like they are, they do come from that tradition, right? But yep. they apply to the story and, and they apply to our, our lives and they aren't wallpaper. Star Wars, yep. it's not wallpaper. Love it. A great new uh, phrase. Uh, just real quickly for me as well, because we've talked about a lot of them, but a lot, almost all of Padme's lines <laughs> yeah. are under-examined, uh, that she is always uh, correct. Um, we've talked about a lot about to be angry is to be human, uh, which is you know her response to Anakin uh, losing it and admitting to doing something violent and awful. Uh, and, and that's one of those those perspectives that Anakin can't get from the Jedi because they're just going to tell him what he did is wrong. And it is. But also in order for him to learn that and, and change, you know, you have to start from that point of like it, you should control your anger. But there's no point in pretending that you don't get angry because just denying it is only going to make it worse. And, you know, there's great wisdom in that Padme line, I think. Um, uh, I was just reading the the first five issues of the new Darth Vader comic uh, written by Greg Pak. And, mm -hmm. and I was happy to see more made of a lot of Padme's lines and moments. Uh, but that they're still good in him, I think, is another thing that sometimes we can look at as wallpaper of like, yeah, Padme loved him and that's the last thing she died and it's tragic. But yeah. knowing that Obi-Wan heard that mm -hmm. and maybe this Obi-Wan show is him trying to do something about that. Knowing that Luke fulfilled what his mother started by getting through to Anakin is powerful. Mm. And that, that, that line, I think, uh, has more weight than we sometimes give it credit for. I am all for a, uh, re-examination of what Padme said. That's just a new theory. <laughs> new podcast series here for us. Absolutely. Uh, great question, Mac. And our final question is from Simon Huffnagel. Simon says, if the Mandalorian ever has an episode set on Batuu, how would you feel about them filming scenes in Galaxy's Edge? Obviously, you'd have to work around a CGI edit the parts that are expressed. Uh, they're expressly resistance or first order themed. Uh, but I think there are enough spots that they could work with for at least one sequence. Would it be worth it to try or would seeing the theme park land take you out of the moment? 
What do you no, think? Yeah, no, I for yeah for yeah they'd completely redress it as needed, no problem there. Uh, I Batu is going to be, I say is going to be like it. We're definitely going to Batu and Mandalorian, but now I now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it, Simon. I want them to go there. Uh, the it, that'd be an easy one to recreate on the volume, right? You just you could do that real successfully. But I would love the idea of part of it being filmed at the actual galaxy's edge in Anaheim or, Hey, maybe do one in Anaheim, one in Orlando. That way, anytime I go there again, I can stand on an actual star Wars set and I'd pay $50 extra for it. <laughs> right. This is where that one stormtrooper fell down $50 to fall down like the stormtrooper. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm torn on this one. I, cause I, I think I've mentioned before, there's a couple little noises that the child makes that Grogu makes. It almost sounds like he's saying Batu to me. Um, so I was like, are they going to Batu? You know, that's not an actual prediction. That's just my ears being weird. Um, but I would love just sort of in canon, it seems like the kind of place uh, Mando would go for a mission uh, that somebody would quest him to go, you know, get him some sort of, you know, uh, necklace <laughs> collectible mm-hmm. <laughs> on mm-hmm. Batu at Black Spire. So I'd love to see it. I I want to think that yeah between the if they mixed in the volume with the actual physical buildings in a way that I couldn't tell and it's like oh yeah that is the outside of Savvy's workshop but there's nothing like you know real world about it you know they they don't accidentally leave a jeans guy in there yeah, <laughs> yeah. with a churro <laughs> uh, you know that would be really fun to see those buildings that are like yeah that's for real I I can physically go there. Uh, but then also with the volume, you know, they do a good job, at least in Disneyland, of of kind of blocking so you can't really see the normal outside world. But it'd be great to see, you know, on the volume, the rest of Batu spreading out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that, that Yeah. Yeah. I, I They've done such a good job. I think I was like, hey, cool. This all sounds good. Volume sounds great. And then or, or excuse me, uh, Galaxy's Edge Batu sounds great. And, and then, you know, fortunate enough to go there. And I know not everyone has experienced it yet. Uh, and hopefully you all get a chance. It's so special that now all I want is more Batu. It's so weird to think that, but yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Take Grogu to the wishing tree. Damn it. That's yes. what I say. <laughs> uh, pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, those are our questions then. Uh, great ones. Uh, great variety of kinds of questions from Simon, Mac, Warren, Kane. Thank you all very much. Thank you all indeed, and uh, we appreciate the warm sentiments as well, Mac, uh, as Joseph said earlier. Uh, we can uh, let you know where we're going to find us. I'll do that right now. Ken, where are your notes? All right, there they are. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, we are uh, on Twitter at Force Center Pod. You can like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. We are on uh, uh, Instagram and YouTube as well, and we have the podcast on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music and more merch available. tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can go to patreon.com slash force center to support us directly. But as always, just tell a friend about Force Center. Share the joy of celebrating Star Wars, and we can just grow this family. We got our own things going on as well, including uh, um, I got a, a new thing launched called uh, GPA, Good People Association uh, production company coming. Uh, you can uh, follow my uh, Twitter page at Ken Napsock for more information as we tease it on out or go to KenNapsock.com. We'd like to highlight charities here, uh, things in the real world that we are plugged into or want you all to know about. And uh, I have uh, said this before, I am a a bone marrow donor. I've signed up 
a while ago and then uh, refreshed uh, and reconfirmed my commitment to Be The Match. I'd love you all to check out bethematch.org uh, because bone marrow donors can absolutely save lives and are needed every day. Joseph, what do you got? Yeah, you can find me uh Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all sorts of different comedy adventures. I have an actual comedy adventure coming up. Uh, for years and years, I have done a New Year's Eve show. Uh, New Year's Eve is one of my favorite holidays because it, you know what, it's got themes. <laughs> out with the old, in with the new. Uh, it's, a, it's a holiday that's about uh, starting fresh, having fun. So it's always been one of my favorite holidays, and I've loved doing uh, New Year's shows. And uh, my friend Laser of the Double Clicks, who I've been doing a show with here in Los Angeles called Game Night, we've done a New Year's show in Los Angeles together for the last several years. Uh, Laser very kindly uh, reached out to me and said, you know, you can't let your tradition go by. Let's do an online New Year's Eve show. Uh, so we are going to do that. It's just going to be a night of comedy and music and weird online fun. So if you would like to uh, attend that through the Internet, uh, you can get tickets. Uh, you can go to my website, josephscrimshot.com, and there is a link right on the front of the page. Uh, the online show is going to be 7.30 Pacific time. Uh, so we will, we will count down to 9 o'clock Pacific time. And then, you know, you know how time works. Uh, it'll be midnight for some people. But if you're interested in that, uh, check that out. Again, that's going to be uh, on my website, josephscrimshot.com. Well, that's going to be fun. A good way to ring out this, uh, well, complicated year. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, indeed. Yeah. Yes. Goodbye for us. A fun-filled look at Star Wars news. Big questions. More to dive into in that cave. We'll return to We've got a big Force Center a Star Wars scene-by-scene -scene breakdown this week. Uh, Luke, Vader, walkway of doubt. Enough said. Join us then. We'll see you all next time here on Force Center. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.